want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Let me ask you something. How do you carry your rejection? Do you wipe it off when it's given to you? Or do you carry it with you dirtying places and relationships that you encounter? Let's tune in as Pastor Kaya brings the word from Mother's Day 2018. So last year I told Donald, I said, hey, you know, uh, last year was my first Mother's Day without my mom. And I told Donald, I'm going to preach this message without crying. And I did. But this is the second year without my mama. And I do not make that promise. I have not a clue what's about to happen. So we're on this adventure together in Jesus' name. Hello. I know one of the really uh, cherished memories that I have of my mom. You guys know how some things are just hindsight 2020? Like in the moment, especially when you're a kid, you just don't really see the, the magnitude or the heaviness or the holiness of that moment. It's like, this is a holy moment. But I had not a clue at that time because I'm a kid. You know, I'm just living my little life. I'm busy. I got stuff I'm doing, you know. But when I look back, and especially now that she's gone, I look back on a lot of traces of just amazingness. And one of those um, memories I have is uh, for most of my life, um, well, younger life, I was young then too, but okay. (laughs) I started off at at a Christian private school because, I mean, we were from Vallejo, you know, you know, plead the blood of Jesus Christ every night, but... It's Vallejo. It's V-Town. You know, we're just trying to make it. So she had me in private school um, for most of that time. But, you know, times got hard. It's like, boo-boo, you got to go to public school with the rest of the kids. (laughs) So, you know, it's fine. I'm cool. I'm up for the adventure because I'm an only child. And my mom, my parents celebrated me constantly. So, you know, I, I accidentally thought I was the bee's knees. I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, at my house, I was treasured. I was celebrated. So I go out like, hello, world. I am here for you. What you doing? Don't worry. I'm here. I have a lot of confidence. But, you know, it's, I mean, I, it wasn't my fault. That was their fault. Um, so anyway, I get to public school, and man, stuff got real. Woo! I'm like, wait, we're not praying to Jesus? We're not going to pray over our food? What y'all, what's, what we doing? Where's Jesus? Jesus! <laughs> so those first, that first week was rough. And you know how moms are. You get home, you get in the car, and it's like, how was your day? It was fine. You know, because I told myself, I will not tell my mom because she will call a meeting with the principal, the principal's mama, the teachers, the teacher's mama. Like, she wants, she, you know, heads are going to roll, tables are going to flip. So I was like, I will, I will get home, and I will not tell my mom that I'm being bullied, that just the sight of me, they're like, ah, ah, ah. I'm like, what? I'm the bee's knees. What happened? aren't I being celebrated right now? (laughs) But you know how moms are. You're in the car, and I'm like, it was fine. Oh, yeah? What was fine about it? You know, mom, they don't like me. And they said said something about my shoes and my hair and my, I mean, before you know it, I'm just spilling my guts. You know, that's just what happens. Moms have that power. It's like, you guys see Wonder Woman with the rope? It's like, just the little truth rope on there, and you're like, ah, this is what happened. So, you know, I'm telling her about it, and I was so surprised because she did really good. She just listened. She just listened, and I was so surprised. I was like, I remember going to bed that night, like, wow, that really went well. That went well. It was good. So the next day, you know, I'm being strong and courageous in the Lord, you know, as I'm walking into that public school with all those public people. So, you know, I'm going into, into the school, and everything was everything. And it wasn't until I got to recess, 
And we come out for recess, and I hear someone saying, somebody's mama's here. <laughs> I didn't think nothing of it. It ain't my mama. My mama's not here. I, who's standing in the middle of the, of the park, of the playground? My mama. <laughs> like, what in the world? Why is my mama on the playground on recess? And I'm pretty sure she was supposed to have a guest pass sighting at the office. So now that I'm thinking back, she climbed some fences. <laughs> Because there she was in the middle of the playground when all the kids came out. She's just like, hey, like, just been here. Climbed five fences, but here I am. So I'm rushing out to her because whatever it is that she needs, I wanted to hurry up and give it to her so that she can leave. I'm already having enough trouble, mom. You know, I got a lot on my plate. I'm not trying to get you to add to what's going on in my world right now. So I'm rushing up to her. I'm like, Mom, what's up? What is what's going on? What did you need? What did you forget? Did you need something? And she's like, oh, no, I'm just hanging out. Hey, y'all. Hi. Hi. How you guys doing? What's your name? What's your name? I'm Betty. What's your name? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I got some candy. You want some? Oh, I got some chips, too. Oh, that's cute, girl. What you got on? Oh, uh-huh. Before you know it, five minutes in, I'm just witnessing like, it's almost like she was Jesus and she said, follow me. Like, everybody on the playground, from one end of the playground, there was this herd of kids. And it seemed to grow by the second. There was all these kids following her. And I'm, I'm with her because I'm like, well, I'm with her. I don't know why she's here or what we're doing. But we're all walking around the playground and everybody wanted to get close to her. Everybody wanted to get near her. And as we're walking around the playground, I'm like, where are the yard duties? Because this lady should be kicked off of the premises. Who is she? But she, no one did. Okay, but we're walking around the playground and she's telling stories and she's telling jokes and she's telling really funny or really uh, insightful information that us little fourth graders didn't know. And we're like, wow, oh, that's why you're supposed to tie it with a double knot. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, so we're just talking and spending time on the playground. And before you know it, the bell rang and recess was over. And she's like, oh, well, I, ha I have to go. And the herd of kids, and the bullies were in there with those kids. The herd of kids said, no, don't go. She's like, I got to. I got to go to work. But you guys, Kaya's going to be here. You guys can be friends with Kaya. Who wants to be friends with Kaya? And the hands shot up everywhere. Me, me, I do. I want to be friends with Kaya. She's like, okay, you can, you can. Okay, you know what? All of you can be friends with Kaya. It's fine. Who's going to walk Kaya to class? Me, me. I, I know exactly where her class is. I actually, I can, okay. She's like, okay, yeah, go ahead. You can walk her to her class. And before you know it, I had friends. What was that? And as we go to class, I guess she climbed back over whatever fence she came in and she disappeared and I never got bullied again and I had no idea what happened. My mom came to my school and single-handedly dismantled rejection. What was that? Disarmed rejection. One of the things about rejection is that it's relentless. It's like a cancer that starts small. It's a small spot. It's fine, right? It's fine. Oh, it's not affecting anything. You know, it's not connected to any other areas. But slowly and surely and like with persistence, it grows. And it not only attaches one to one thing in your life, one relationship, but it doesn't stop until it has completely covered and masked everything and every part of your life. 
And for some reason, my mom knew that I have to disarm this rejection now before she grows up and sees every other thing the way that she's seeing life right now. Rejection affects the way we see the room. Rejection affects the way we see the room. Let me explain. For, so for someone like Pastor John, you know, you guys know I like to pick on him because all these stories are true. And I have to tell you the truth. So Pastor John, he walks in the room like, what's up? What's going on, y'all? What y'all doing? What we doing today? I got a six-pack. Want to see it? Hey, how y'all doing? You know Jesus? Let me tell you about him. Hey, girl, where you been? Where you? How your mama? Let me tell your mama I said. I mean, like, this guy walks into the room and he sees countless opportunities for new friends, countless opportunities for new connections, and countless opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus. It's just the way he sees the room. But for somebody like me who may have had the seed of rejection that started off small and it began to grow over time, I may see the room completely different. I see the room as Am I here? No one look at me. No one talk to me. No one give, you, give me the mic. Can they tell that I'm weak? Can they tell that I'm hurt? Can they tell that I'm afraid? Can they tell I have not a clue on who I am? Oh, let me stand like her. She seems confident. Let me do what she's doing. Oh, no, wait, wait. Let me do who, what she's doing. She looks like she's got it all together here. Rejection. It literally talks you out of so many things of who you think that you are. You are completely confused. So when you walk into the room, you're like, dude, this is heavy. There's people in here. There's people in here looking at me. So someone like Pastor John sees the room completely different the way someone else who's burdened down with rejection may see the room. You guys following me? Yes. If we cannot, one of the things about rejection is that we cannot hear beyond the pain of our rejection. We can't hear or experience or see anything beyond the pain of what caused the seeds of rejection in our life. Maybe it's something that happened as a, as a child. Maybe it's something that happened in a failed relationship. Maybe it's something that's happened at school with bullies or whatever it is, but rejection is such a nasty, terrible friend that never leaves. But the thing is that Jesus knows all about the pain of rejection much too well. Imagine a come, coming and walking into a room of people that you've actually been called to, to speak to, to save, to help, and they're all looking at you like, ew, look at your shoes, look at your hair. Why did you do that? Who are you? You're ugly. We don't even like you. But you have something you're supposed to do for them. Can you imagine how that feels? So as we turn our Bibles to Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 3, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and we, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as if were our faces from him. 
He was despised and we esteemed him not. The title of today's message is Wipe Your Feet and Shut the Door. Wipe your feet and shut the door. Jesus was despised, rejected, had sorrows, and was acquainted with grief. Yet in all, he'd had something major to do that had nothing to do with all of those things. I feel like that's a lot of our lives. We're feeling this. We're going through this. I got to do this. I'm facing this. These people doing this. And it has nothing to do with the call and the purpose on my life. Yet still in all, here's all these things affecting the way I see the room. And there's something I'm supposed to do that has nothing to do with all those things. I believe one of the most important lessons Jesus taught his disciples was the lesson of the dust. The lesson of the dust. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, it says this, And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or that city, shake off the dust from your feet. Hmm. Jesus correlated the people's rejection to the dust on the ground. Dust and rejection, he correlated them together. It's so such a trick that he would talk about dust because in Genesis, when man was formed, he was formed from the But it wasn't until Jesus breathed into it that there became life and there was man. But first, without form, without purpose, without life, without strength, without anything, it was first dust. And Jesus is saying, if they're rejecting you, they're dust. Shake it off. Wipe your feet and close the door. Dust represents the lifelessness that God gathered up in Genesis to form man. But the funny thing about dust is if it gets connected to water, it becomes mud. And it tracks through everything. And it coats everything. And it gets all over everything. And it messes up everything. And when I thought, when I, when I picked this title, Wipe Your Feet and Shut the Door, it reminds me of my, my husband, Pastor John. I'm talking about him again. So we have this fancy security system. And he likes to show it off. So, because that's how he is. And so when someone comes to our house and they'll like ring the doorbell or they'll knock on the door, he'll go into the fancy security system and he'll see the camera of who it is. And then he pushes this button and then the door goes, and then he says, come in without walking over to the door. Right. And so they're like, oh, oh." so, you know, they're, they're still a little unsure because they're like, why is this door unlocking and why do I hear his voice coming out of the door? But okay. So of course especially if this is their first time, they're walking in, they're kind of slow because they're still trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you know, usually someone opens the door and says, hello, you know, but this is not happening. There's a voice that says, uh, come in, and there's, this door is just unlocking. So they turn the knob and they come in, and then what does he do? Shut the door! Shut the door! Come in and shut, hurry up and shut the door! Oh, oh, oh okay, oh, okay. So people are a little frazzled, but they don't know that Pastor John has this extreme hate. I mean, he loathes flies so if you are the reason a fly comes in and he told you shut the door he was yelling at you the moment you came in he said shut the door and if you see a little spit of slow like wait what what, what?" and a fly comes in oh honey oh you on the list you are on the list because he told you to shut the door 
So one of the things we have to do when we go into a place, we wipe our feet because when we wipe our feet, we're saying whatever it is that I tracked out there, I don't want to track it into where I am today. And I want to be sure that I shut the door because I don't want anything following me into where I am now and where I came before. If it don't belong there, let me shut the door. Wipe your feet and shut the door. Dust represents every dead thing, dead relationship, dead inopportunity, dead hurt, dead sin in your past that attempts to cling to your decisions and your actions today. Remember we said in Genesis, dust is without form. It lacks luster. I mean, like there's nothing great about dust. Dust dust is going nowhere fast. So the best thing dust can do is attach itself to you to be able to go somewhere. One thing that we realize and that can, and can find out about dust is you can walk through something where people are working and people are doing a couple of things and maybe there's like a cloud of dust because, you know, maybe they're drilling into the ground or maybe they're shoveling something and you're like, no, no, it's cool. I, I got skills. So, you know, I saw the dust cloud, but I kind of moved to the side like this. I was like, hey, you know, and I didn't, the dust cloud didn't get on me and I'm like, well, I'm fine. I'm good. I can handle this. It's fine. I can walk through dusty areas with dusty people and dusty relationships and not be affected. But it is not until we get into a different kind of light and we realize, dude, I'm dusty. How did I track what was going on over there onto me? Because I've just walked through some dusty areas and through some dusty relationships and I thought I could handle it and evade it and not allow it attach itself to me or affect me because I thought I could handle it, but instead it handled me because I just tracked it into where I am today. Shut the door and wipe your feet. Jesus knew that it was important to tell them about the dust because he knew his disciples was going to encounter some rejection. One of the things about dust is we can take it from place to place. And the dust may not come from the season that we're in or the relationship that we're in, but we're still dealing with it because we brought it with us. Because the fly came in right behind us because we still had the door open from where we just left and that the door wasn't completely shut and there's some things that flew in from the past. No, baby, it has nothing to do with you, but it's just that other relationship and some things I went through and some things I encountered and some things that hurt me and some things that changed me and some things that changed the way I saw myself and and changed the way I felt like I should be loved. And so because of that, that fly came in and now I'm seeing you a little bit different because this room is changing the way I see myself. Wipe your feet and shut the door. So Jesus gave the lesson of the dust. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people don't realize that the dust lesson came from an important scripture that a lot of us read all the time. And it has a lot to do with what was going on. So let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38. So this is what happened first before Jesus gave the lesson of the dust. And we hear this all the time, but he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion for them. He was moved with compassion for them. We always read that scripture and we say, oh, Jesus, he just loved them. He's like, oh, the people, look at the people. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The interesting part about that is we feel like Jesus was all about the crowd and about the multitude that actually just followed him 
because he just gave out fish dinners last time. And so they were like, well, maybe if we keep following him, maybe next time it'll be crab. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and that's not, not very like Levitical, like law-like, but you know, okay, maybe, you know, maybe have a little steak next time. But what was going on at that time is literally like people, new religions were popping up all the time. Sadducees and Pharisees were constantly telling you, nope, you're not good enough. Nope, you still didn't meet the requirements to be free from your sin. So actually, you're still not good enough. So all these people were following Jesus from place to place like, yeah, I know I'm not one of the disciples, but I just want to keep following you because I want to kind of see how you live and see how you talk. I want to see how you eat. How do you talk to your disciples? What is it that you think about? What do you do for fun? What makes you laugh? Like, because right now I feel so rejected by religion. I feel so rejected by the things that I'm trying to do and I feel like I still I'm, I still can't get right. Just call me Mr. K, get right because I still seem to fall short time and time again. I, I sacrificed a dove when it was supposed to be a sheep. I mean, like, I'm messing up back and forth. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are saying wrong, 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 wrong. You're still not it. You're still not cutting it. And they're scattered and they're weary because religion has been beating them up. So they're just following him around. They're just following him because they're like, well, maybe I can learn something from him and his disciples. But the thing is that Jesus wasn't looking at the, the, the crowd and moved by the crowd. He was actually moved by the crowd to know that this is what I have to, this is why I have to teach my disciples. He looked at the multitude and he saw the problem. And instead of addressing the crowd saying, hey, crowd, he turned and he addressed his disciples. Maybe you feel like you can't change this hot mess of a world, but you can turn to your children and you say, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to invest life changing lessons into my children because my children are going to be here long after me. They're going to turn around and they're going to address the crowd. They're going to address the hopelessness in the multitude, the rejection in the multitude, the heaviness in the multitude, the sickness on the multitude. They're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I can't touch everybody, but I'm going to turn to my kids who are going to be here and they're going to make a difference. Wipe your feet and shut the door. He looked at the crowd. Then he looked at his disciples. He looked at the crowd. He looked at his disciples and he begins to teach them. The disciples, he didn't sit and teach the multitude because everybody wasn't ready. So he turned, saw them, saw the problem, saw the rejection, saw the pain, saw the hurt, saw the weakness. And he said, I'm going to teach and empower them that will affect them. But he knew that if they are feeling rejected when they're trying to do it, like, Jesus, we're just trying to teach them what you told us to teach them. But they're saying, ooh, who are you? You're ugly. You're stupid. You're not Jesus. He knew that if he didn't get them ready and teach them about the dust, that he just might fall, they just might fall victim to the dust and come out just as dusty as the multitude. Hebrews 10, 35 to 39, it says this. Can we get some fan action? Oh, it's on. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Hebrews 10, 35 to 39 says this, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Mm, confidence is so important for how you see the room. Your confidence is so important. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. 
for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, because God doesn't take pleasure in a drawback spirit, y'all better come on. My soul has no pleasure in them. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Listen to this. Whatever kills your confidence steals your voice. Whatever steals your voice steals your purpose. Let me say it again because I need you to really have this in your heart. I need you to take it with you with wherever place you're going to next, whatever season that may be waiting for you. I need you to get this. Whatever kills your confidence steals your voice. Whatever steals your voice will steal your purpose. Listen, there are platforms and doors and opportunities that's been made open to you that is being constructed and lifted up for you to stand upon, for you to do something with it, disciple. There's towns and areas and regions that's waiting for the message that God has put in your, your bosom. But the thing is that if you allow something to kill your confidence and steal your voice, when you get there, I got nothing. John 10 and 10. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God came that you may have life and life more abundantly. The enemy, through rejection, through sin, through shame, through pain, wants to kill and steal your confidence so that when you get to that platform that's been erected for you, when you walk through that door that's been opened for you, he wants you to have nothing. Because it's all about how you see the room. How do you see the room? Do you see it like Pastor John? Like, hey, anybody need Jesus? I got a six pack. Want to see it? <laughs> or do you see the room like, I'm not even qualified to be here. I've been run down and to the ground. I've been beat up. I've had false labels attached to my name. There's been things said against me that's not even true. And I'm starting to believe it. I'm beat down. So God, I know I got this going on. I got this hurt happening. I got this that's affecting me. But yet still you want me to address the multitude? Jesus, I can't. Because I'm dusty. My life is dusty. My message is dusty. I'm full of bitterness and hurt and pain because they hurt me and I'm still at the place they left me. So, Jesus, I know you have something you want me to do. You have something you want me to say. But, Lord, I'm just dusty. Wipe your feet, saints. Close the door on the path because God is saying, I'm trying to teach you. Shake the dust off your feet and move on, baby. What's been set before you is much greater than the things they try to do behind you. Wipe your feet. And shut the door because you're here for the here and for the now. And you're here as a gift for the multitude. Don't you know that when Jesus died on the cross, he put a big fat bow on you and said, world, you are welcome. Because when she does everything that I put in her to do, world, you won't even recognize yourself. But it's all about how she sees the room. Because when she doesn't see the room the way Jesus sees her, then it affects the way she speaks about herself, the way she speaks about her marriage, the way she speaks about her kids, the way she speaks to her kids, to her husband, to herself. Wipe your feet. Shut the door. 
If the enemy can get you to be silent when you should be proclaiming, if the enemy can get you to be passive when you should be passionate, you've lost your purpose. You are of no effect. Do you remember the Last Supper? All the disciples were sitting at the table. I'm sure they ate good. Their bellies was probably big. They were probably leaned back a little bit with a toothpick, and they're like, yeah, that was good. We probably should have gave this money to the poor, but it's okay. We ate good tonight. But do you remember at the Last Supper, they ate good, and Jesus had a plan. He said, I know I taught them after I saw the multitude. I turned and I taught them about what to do with the dust. But I'm not going to always be here, and I know that my time is running short, and so I want to teach them how to wash away that rejection. Because I may not always be here to do it in the physical, in the natural, but they'll remember that I did this in the spirit. And so he took a towel, and he leaned down, and he washed their feet. He washed their feet. And the thing is that there's some times that I face rejection. There's some times that I face hardship and my mom's not here to embrace me but I remember her standing in the midst of that playground and I don't know how she got there I don't know how she climbed those fences but she was there and she wiped my feet not just for that moment she washed my feet for every moment that I was going to encounter after she was long gone. And Jesus, he bent down and he washed their feet. And he's like, I'm going to be gone soon. But you're going to remember that I loved you deeper and stronger than anybody ever loved you. And every time you second guess who you are or what you're called to do, you're going to remember I told you to wipe your feet and shut the door. Because there's something greater that you have to do. You're the gift to the multitude. But if you forget that, you'll become dusty and you'll be traveling around from place to place along with the multitude. Jesus is like, I don't want you to be a zombie. I've called you out of that. So don't let bitterness choke you out, man. Wipe your feet and close the door. As I close, I'm going to get ready to close, but... In Isaiah 52 and 7, it says, how beautiful, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaim peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful are the feet. God has a foot fetish. He's like really into this feet thing. But God knows that it's the feet that's going to get you to move. It's the feet that's going to deliver you to every place that you've been called to be. To be the difference. To be the voice. To be the strength to the weak. To be the light in the dark. To be the healing to the sick and to the wounded. He knows it's your feet that's going to get you there. He's like, so take care of your feet, babe. Shake off what needs to be shaken off. Don't live in that place. You're not there. It's the ghost of you that's there. Live in the moment I'm calling you to now. In Isaiah 53, we talked about how God was rejected. Do you know that God was rejected so that you don't have to live in rejection? God did it so that you don't have to. So wipe your feet. 
shut the door there's work to do but you can't do it but you can't be completely effective with dusty feet with remnants of dust with remnants of hurt with remnants of rejection with remnants of fear and shame you can't truly do it because it's going to change the way you see those that you are called to speak to to prophesy to to encourage to declare it's going to affect it if you don't shake it off and get rid of it so shake it off wipe your feet close the door don't carry the hurt of the last season into the joy of your new season wipe your feet and shut the door stand to your feet god is good I don't know your story and you don't fully know mine but God does and he knows how important it is for you to not live in what they said that you are but live in who he says that you are because one is true and the other is a lie so get strong enough to be the gift that you already are. Jesus died for a great work that has been started in you and he wants it to come to completion before he returns. That big old giant bow that I slapped onto you when I reigned in glory at the right hand of my father making intercession for you. Before I left, I slapped a big old bow on you and I said, "World, you are welcome." because she is going to do greater things than I did. He is going to do greater healings, greater greater miracles than I did because she's going to know, he's going to know who they are. Because of the dust of rejection, the weight of sin, the stench of pain and shame, it will not affect them. Because I washed them of that. Do you know that God's making a table for you in the presence of your enemies? Oh, and you're going to eat good, baby. You're going to eat good and I believe after you're done eating good of the father's nutrients that he's going to wash your feet. In the presence of them that hurt you, in the presence of them that wanted to destroy you, in the presence of them that said you are nothing, you will never be nothing in that presence. God's going to pour into you greater things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the gift that you left and placed inside every single one of us. Forgive us, Father, for any time and every time we've second-guessed or thought down on the on who we are or in the gift that you've placed in us. God, forgive us for not completely being who you called us to be because of the dust that settled on our heart and the dust that settled on our feet that we tracked from place to place. Forgive us for every time we've spoken bad or ill things to our children only because we're dusty. So we're passing it on to them. God, forgive us for every time that we thought or we felt that we weren't worthy of being loved, thought the best love because we're dusty. Lord, please heal us now from every hurt, every pain, every area of rejection, every areas of abandonment. God, heal us right now from every area of shame or pain or sin or guilt. Heal us right now, God. Allow us to not look back, but look forward. Help us, Lord. Give us the strength to wipe our feet and shut the door on the past and step into tomorrow. God, help us. Strengthen us. 
thank you, Father, for stepping onto the enemy's playground. And allowing us to feel completely and totally loved by you, seen by you, known by you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.